The FF Educator, joined by John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar. John, we are coming off of our full rookie profile series. 32 rookies, in-depth, full breakdowns on them. But as we finished up, we kept saying there's more players we want to talk about. We need more profiles. So what we've done is we've pulled 10 players that we wanted to do profiles on. For the sake of time, we just couldn't get to them. But... They are our sleepers. They're the players we like, we want to talk about, we want to make sure you know about. And, John, especially guys here over the next month or so, both pre- and post-draft, we expect to gain attention, gain value, and end up being draftable players You know, in your top 48 or 60 of your rookie draft. So like I said, John, 10 players. We're going to bop around to different positions here. And let's go ahead and kick it off with Jaden Reed, the wide receiver out of Michigan State. Now, John, Jaden Reed is somebody who's had some very interesting production over the last couple of years at Michigan State, has certainly caught the eye on film. But I would like you to start here by why we're, we're going to start off our episode with Reed, who had a pretty good case to get his own full profile. He was right on the, the edge. If we had had more time, we would have done a full preview on Jaden Reed. Matt, I have him in my top 10. I'm hoping to get him in third or possibly fourth round of rookie drafts. Don't know if he'll last to the fourth. The buzz is building around Jaden Reed. I, I use this term, and I don't think Jaden Reed's necessarily as much of a dog as Zay Flowers. But there is some of that in this young man. He can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. He's 5'11", 187. He's bigger than I think people believe. He was an early breakout at Western Michigan at the age of 18. I love his profile, Matt. 31% scrimmage yards dominator. He ran a 4.45. In the 40-yard dash, 429 in the 20-yard shuttle, 203 career receptions. Matt, I believe he's better than Sky Moore as a prospect. What do you think about Jaden Reed? Yeah, John, he's got really fun tape. You know, you look at a player who is different types of fast, right? He's speedy when he's running in a straight line. He has great lateral agility moving east to west. And in terms of versatility, he can line up all around the field. I know you're going to look at him 5'11", 187 and put him into the slot. But, John, I actually think he's going to be a lot better as a flanker wide receiver at the next level. Let him be on the outside. He plays the boundary very well. And he will win deep into the field with ball tracking, with speed, with the ability to separate, and really nice handwork as well. Now, he does have a decent variety of, uh, of route running ability. He runs a good slant, good, very nice curl, of a very productive out route, but also a nice uh, corner into the deep field. Um, and, and you'll see him utilized in that way. 
uh, a lot at Michigan State. So there's a lot to like here for me with Jaden Reed. You know, he's coming in at court, uh, wide receiver uh, 12 on the rookie big board right now. So just outside of that top range. I do have him as a borderline day three prospect right now, but if he goes top 100, John would not be surprised one bit. And if he does go in the top 100, this is a guy who could push to be late second round rookie draft ADP. Uh, regardless, I do think he's going to land in third round of your rookie drafts. So he's absolutely somebody you're going to need to keep an eye on. It's going to come down to projection for me. Where does he land in an offense? Where do I expect him to get used? And where does that volume come from? But regardless here, Jaden Reed has to be on your radar. John, somebody digging in a little bit deeper here is going to be the wide receiver out of Nebraska, Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer started his career with LSU, transferred to Nebraska, and had his best season in 2022. This was a player you specifically wanted to highlight. I did, my friend. In my top 30, wide receiver prospects in my model right now. Trey Palmer has the fastest 40 time at 4-3-3. Man, he's 6-0-192. And he plays very, very physical. I am surprised he's not getting any buzz. If you're looking for a speedster to really just attack the defense vertically... I think he's going to come at an extraordinarily nice price in an NFL offense. So he might have more value as an NFL wide receiver than a fantasy. Yet, there are parts of his profile that I like that are being overlooked. He had a 39% aerial dominator for the Cornhuskers. That's out of control, Matt. He had a 64% catch rate. I absolutely love that. And let's put it into context. His career numbers are not amazing. He played at LSU and he was nailed to the bench, Matt. That's why he didn't get the early numbers. What do you say about Trey Palmer? Palmer's a really fun player, John. You watch his tape and he can dominate in the short field, right? And so my takeaway was very much your same takeaway. He's somebody who I think can hang around the NFL for a long time. Whether or not that translates to fantasy is to be determined. But what I don't think is to be determined, John, is that he's going to end up with a top 48 ADP in rookie drafts, right? Because I think there's plenty of players when they are fantasy managers who when they watch Trey Palmer, there's a player of, of in recent history that got folks really excited from last year's draft, John, that Trey Palmer reminds me a ton of. Can you guess who it is? Uh, Christian Watson? No, it's uh, Kyle Phillips. I see a oh, Kyle Phillips oh. in Trey Palmer's game, right? Oh, uh, you're right. So you're not, you know, you're not looking at somebody with a super diverse route tree, but he runs a great out, a great curl, and a great drag. And that can get you, you know, an NFL career. It really can. <laughs> I do think he's going to get day three draft capital. I'm pretty set on that, despite a good 40 time here. Uh, but Trey Palmer is somebody, John, who has just slowly kind of risen up my board as other players have fallen, you know. And so yeah. I've, I've slowly appreciated Trey Palmer more as other players drop off. And so he's currently 21 on the rookie big board. I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the teens, um, even early teens, you know, as draft capital kind of settles out. So he's certainly somebody that's fun to watch. Um, he's a quick athlete, great footwork. 
a good hands. And John, I like that you pointed out his physicality because he never lets defensive backs jump his routes. And when you're looking at somebody who can be an effective underneath option at the next level, you love to see that physicality. You know, the nickel, uh, the nickel defenders are not going to stack up well against Trey Palmer. And, And so he's, he's that perfect mismatch. And I do think NFL teams are going to appreciate that. John, here is what I love about, you know, watching so much college football. Trey Palmer, you mentioned he was relegated to the bench. He played on that same LSU team. He overlapped with Kayshawn Boutte. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if Trey Palmer ends up with a higher ADP and ends up being a more productive pro than Kayshawn Boutte. And if some, if I said that a year ago, it would just be an absolutely ridiculous statement. But <laughs> let's go ahead, John. Let's talk about some runners here. All right. These are two guys up next that we have uh, been talking about, I think, for a good amount of time in the college fantasy football space. But now it's time to talk about how they're going to translate to the next level. And we're going to start here with running back Chase Brown out of Illinois. Matt, you mentioned about they these players moving up because other players have fallen down. I think both of these young men at the running back position, that fits their profiles in my model. Chase Brown's production model's Awesome, Matt. There's not much I can say about it. 40% yard scrimmage dominator. That is insanity. All right. He played great. He has NFL size for running back at 5'10, 209. I got a little concerned at the senior bowl. He was bad. Let's just put it out there. Reports were bad. Watch some video of him at the senior bowl. That was not well done. He showed up at the combine, Matt. He ran a 4-4-3. Like, I thought he was athletic on tape, but you never know with the running back position. It's a very difficult assessment. How athletic are they? Well, when you run a 4-4-3 at 209-510, you are moving. 58 career receptions. Chase Brown's in my top 15 running backs. Landing spot's going to be important. I think he has a career. He might be in a running back rotation in the NFL early in his career, but I like him, Matt. What's your film breakdown say? You know, it's so funny with Chase Brown. If you charted out where he's been on the rookie big board, he probably has (laughs) the most uh, volatility, I should say, at least of any running back, right? Uh, Brown has been as high as running back six for me in this class. You know, he's currently down at running back 11, uh, but I like him a ton. You know, the reason he was so high is because his pure tape grade is really high for the running back position. It's competing with these you know, that second tier of running backs in this year's class because he's a smooth runner, John. I love how quickly he gets off the line of scrimmage. I love his ability to work in between the tackles. He's a patient runner. I love that, and I think it comes through with great vision. And he's an underrated pass catcher as well, John. So I think he's really versatile. And he's somebody who I think in the right situation, you know, the depth chart opens up in front of him. He can be a successful three-down back at the next level. I don't think that's where he's going to start. I do think he's going to be a day three draft selection, probably round four or round five. And I do think he's going to start off in a committee type situation, but I do think he could earn his way and play his way into volume at the next level. So when you get into that mid to late third round of your rookie drafts, John Chase Brown very well may still be on the board, but he's definitely somebody that I'm going to be targeting in that range. He could end up being a big value, Just like the next running back we're going to talk about here with Evan Hall out of Northwestern, I have to tell you, John, Evan Hall is somebody who, you know, he's like a fine wine. He's kind of aged the more and more 
that I've kind of built up his profile. Like the more tape I've watched, the more, you know, I've looked into his background. It's like, it's just gets a little bit better each time. And so I love that we're talking about Brown and Hull together because Hull is running back 12 for me. He's right next to Chase Brown in the rankings. Matt, and we, we, everyone, we do not share rankings before we do these shows. And Matt and I move players around as a more information. I have Hull at number 13 now. Yeah. He has moved up in this process a lot. And when we did the Senior Bowl show, Matt, we were overly impressed with Evan Hull. I watched a lot of Big Ten football. I, I did not leave any Northwestern game saying, wow, and Evan Hull is clearly an NFL back. Maybe when just I the Nebraska in, game. That one helped. <laughs> yes, that one. That was a real good game. And early on, he was better for like the first month. Yeah. He was very impressive the first month of the season. But when he went to the combine, Matt, I can't ignore his athleticism. I did not see it on tape. But a 4-4-7 in the 40, a 4-3-8 in the 20-yard shuttle, and a 6-9 in the three-cone drill. Matt, he's super athletic at 209 pounds. He's physical, and he's a three-down back. I think that one team might fall in love with him, and he might end up in the third round late for an NFL club. I personally don't think the value's there, but a lot of people like him. I just uh, maybe a little lower, but he has moved up my boards. What does your analysis say about Evan Hull? Yeah, you know, in terms of the film breakdown, John, here, what's fun about Hull, he puts his head down and he takes what the defense gives him. And that may not sound exciting, but like you said, I think an NFL team will appreciate that. You know, John, uh, not to put everybody in San Francisco, but a good example, right? You got a good offensive line, a coach who, you know, might want to rotate through. So, you know, you could even extend that uh, that analogy to Miami, right? Uh, a guy who you can just kind of create some space for, and he's going to give you he's going to give you what he's got. Uh, if you put him in a gap, he's going to get to that second level nicely here. I love his contact balance, John. Excellent contact balance, and he's willing to and willing and able to pile through defenders either in short line situations or in goal line situations. So at 209 pounds, I think he almost plays 10, 10 pounds heavier. And I wouldn't be shocked if at the next level they try to ask him, you know, to pack on a couple more pounds because it's not athleticism or pure speed that's going to make him a successful NFL back, right? He's going to be more of that kind of physical type back, probably playing in a rotation most successfully at the next level. But we almost sound like a broken record at this point in time. Add these rotational running backs to the depth of your roster because you just never know what's going to happen, right, in terms of injuries as the season goes on. And, John, just like you never know what's going to happen here, we don't shy away from the tight end position. We have some tight end sleepers <laughs> for you. And where else would we go than two Big Ten tight ends, starting here with Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan? I was very slow coming around to Luke, Luke Schoonmaker. Everyone knows I'm a UConn and Michigan fan I probably watched over the last two years, 24 Wolverines games. And let's put it into context. They play a Neanderthal offense. They are going to run the football at Michigan. We don't get to see a lot of productivity out of the tight end position. So you really have to dig deep, Matt, to find some nice catches. Now, I will say one thing. During the season, he had a lot of big plays. Like, he'd have, like, one catch for 25 yards. And you're like, why don't they use him more? 
And he's like sneaky good on out routes. And if you scheme around him, then I look 6'5, 250. We know he can run block. And Matt, when I looked at his athletic ability, I was absolutely blown away. My benchmark in the 40 yard dash is 475 for a tight end. He ran a 463 Matt at 256.5. My 20 yard shuttle, and this is what really said to me the NFL is going to like him. His 20 yard shuttle is a 427. He's explosive with burst and acceleration. The ceiling might be capped. I don't think he's going to go out there and do Dallas Goddard. But could he have a top 15 tight end season? Could he be like someone you're picking up in DFS if he's your third tight end? I like him. I think there's some value here. He's sneaky good. Let's see what the NFL says. What do you say, Matt? Yeah, you know, I, I would agree, John. You know, I don't think he's somebody who's going to come in and be an instant target for fantasy football. I think you're looking at Schoenmacher more as a long-term projection, right? But I do think he's going to get on the field. Like, he's going to make an NFL squad. I do think he's going to be a borderline top 100 pick. Uh, and here's the thing about understanding draft capital with this year's class, too. There's going to be an early run on tight ends, much, much earlier than we're used to, right? So we're going to see... Uh, you know, potentially three in the first round between Mayer, Kincaid, and uh, Washington. Uh, you know, and then Musgrave uh, certainly could be close after that. And then, John, you know, if, if four guys go in the top 40 or, or top 50, then there's going to be a ton of action from 50 to 102 as well. And so it's going to be a really interesting class to kind of see what the draft capital shakes up as Schoenmacher kind of. Uh, is a little bit more of that that guy who's ready to come in and block instantly. But we've seen these guys, you know, pay off over time for fantasy football. Now, our next guy up here is Sam Laporta, the tight end out of Iowa. And Laporta has a little bit different of a profile. So Laporta, you know, the first thing you have to understand when, when watching the Laporta tape is that uh, Iowa's offense is boring. <laughs> <laughs> boring, bad, slow whatever you want to call it. And I want to clarify, I'm not just saying it's like a slow running offense. They're not even good at running the ball. All right. It's just a bad <laughs> offense. Uh, and, and, but there was one player worth watching on offense this year. And it was the tight end, Sam Laborda. He was, a uh, you know, starting here with his blocking ability, John, he's reliable, good technique, great finishing ability, good lower body strength. But I love him as a pass catching target. He has consistent separation. He has great body positioning, a nice catch radius for his size. And he, he's a solid route runner, you know, not running a super complicated route tree here, but a super solid route runner. Uh, and what I really like about uh, Laporta is that he's fluid. Even after the catch, John, he's elusive. He's making guys miss. Iowa moved him all around the field. And I just mentioned, like, this is a plain Jane vanilla offense, but they wanted Laporta wherever they could get him, you know, lining up as an H-back, lining up in line, um, moving him in motion, getting him the ball. He was really the only spark in that offense. So, uh, you know, I know folks are getting excited about Meyer, Washington, Kincaid, Musgrave, and, and even Tucker Craft, and they should be. But Sam Laporta is absolutely in that argument as the top tier two tight end in this class and you might get him late round three early round four i will not let him get you know if i'm using if i'm back end of the third round especially if i have a tight end premium situation i'm not letting laporta fall to the fourth round he's absolutely that next target up 
And I think he could end up being one of the best values in this class, John, because everybody, rightly so, is going to be so focused on taking the top tier of tight ends in the second round, they might be forgetting about guys like Laporta in the third round. I think people are going to be surprised. If you look at Sam Laporta's athletic ability, Matt, I mean, this tight end class is so deep. He's my number six tight end. And in a normal year, he might be top three. He ran a 4.59, a 4.25 in the 20-yard shuttle, and a 6.91 in the three-cone drill. He is athletically skilled at 245 pounds, a little short at 6.3. So he's not the uber-physical frame body, you know, not that gigantic tight end. But he can block. And Matt, we talk about the LSU bump at wide receiver. Let's just be honest. The NFL is going to like Sam Laporta coming from Iowa. They've just had too much success coaching this position, and they translate to the NFL. Laporta is a steal if you don't want to spend up for those early tight ends. I like him a lot also, Matt. All right, so let's go ahead here, cover the position we haven't touched on yet. And I know it's a it's a big question here because the narrative has been, you know, grab one of the top four or five running backs or quarterbacks, I'm sorry, in this class, and then forget about the rest. But we're not forgetting about the quarterback at a UCLA, John, Dorian Thompson Robinson. You know, I have to admit, I'm a little bit shocked at the – publicity that Dorian Thompson Robinson is now getting from the national media. And now he's become like the new Hendon Hooker. And I use that sarcastically because Hooker's now just shot up everyone's boards, right? When we started in January, people were like, what, Hendon Hooker? And I was like, nah, his numbers are good. He played well. Now look, he might, might, I don't think he will, but he might be a first rounder. So what are people doing? They're digging deeper. And you know who kind of is an interesting player? If you're looking for that dual threat playmaker behind center, it is Dorian Thompson Robinson. Matt, he was bigger than I thought. I did not think he was 203 pounds. I, just watching him throughout, you know, I've seen him. He's there. We have 49 games started. When I saw him play, I thought he was like 190. So I was very skeptical of him. 6'2 is nice size. There are some concerns, and I think people are getting ahead of their skis, Matt. In my model, he doesn't exceed one passing benchmark. And that was always my concern, Matt, when I watched him. His accuracy is not there. His yards per attempt aren't there. Completion percentage is not there. Nothing in the passing numbers say he's going to be a long-term solution at the quarterback position. But what does he have? Games played, 49. Hey, I have to open my mind after Brock Purdy, right? We saw, hey, I've got to start being open-minded. And then his rushing acumen. Matt, his rushing yards, 1,826 career rushing yards, 21% uh, rushing equity share. Dorian Thompson-Robinson's an interesting product, prospect with lots of fantasy upside. What did you see when you watched Dorian Thompson Robinson? You know, it's not shocking to me, John, that the NFL is interested in DTR. 
you know, having watched him, like you said, uh, start, I believe the last five years, right? He came on campus right away at UCLA, pretty much became the starter there for Chip Kelly and kind of has been the embodiment of a Chip Kelly offense over the last five years. We kept thinking every offseason he was going to lose the job and he never lost the job. Um, and so, you know, I do think that the NFL there is going to see the leadership. They're going to see the mental preparation. They're going to see somebody who's ready to come in and contribute to their team. However, you know, I, I think he shows up in all these mock drafts for a good reason, but he's probably going to go round six or seven, John. And I think it's going to be an example of this is a player who's helpful to have on your roster. I don't know that it's somebody that they project out to be a future starter, right? But you look at his athletic skill set, depending on what team you are, you want to have an athletic skill set if you have an athletic starting quarterback, right? Just in case injuries pop up, you're not redoing the scheme. It's a, it's a versatile player to have for a created-minded head coach who might want to get him in at quarterback and, and kind of run different packages um, or even just somebody to have on your practice squad, your scout team, right? So there's a lot of reasons why I think an NFL team could like Dorian Thompson-Robinson without us needing to necessarily say, ah, oh, this is going to be a smash fantasy starter. But, John, we play in 16-team leagues. We play in leagues right. that have five or six-round drafts. And if that league is super flex, DTR is going to be on your radar because he's going to be drafted, right? And we have learned, like you said, you don't rule out the late-round uh, players. Uh, but the wide receiver I want to talk about, John, here, isn't somebody we got to worry about ruling out as a late-round draft pick because I think he has played himself into a borderline day two, day three selection here, and that's wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia. Now, Bryce Ford Wheaton is the perfect example here of why the combine is important. And uh, I put this out, John, in an article for the patrons when I was talking about my, my post-combine recap. Uh, with with Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, I had watched, I think, 28, 29 wide receivers uh, by the time we got to the combine, and Ford Wheaton wasn't one of them. But he goes and he just dominates at the combine, 4 3 8 40, uh, you know, super athletic in all the drills. And uh, in when that happens, you don't automatically say, all right, he's shooting up the board, right? What I say is, all right, let me go watch the tape. Let's see if this tape matches that, you know, what he's putting on in Indianapolis. And so, John, I go and I put on the West Virginia tape here, and I see a player who can burn along the sideline. I could see I see a player who can break defensive backs in short space. I see him consistently react well to off-target passes, very consistently, may I add, John, with good body positioning, the ability to go out and grab a ball through thin air, uh, and he has fluidity working through the field in great vertical ability. So it's matching up. I love what I see on tape. He's 6'4", 220, so he's got the size. He doesn't have the technical breakdown, John, you know, the technical refinement. But I think an NFL team is going to be plenty okay with that. Would not be shocked if he's a top 100 pick. And he's somebody here, if you're doing mock drafts, he's maybe going in the fourth round. I think it's probably going to be a full round higher by the time we get to the post-draft real rookie drafts. Man, I agree with you. This is why the combine does matter. He was not on my radar in the top 25 prospects by the time um, I, about, let's say, around the holiday season. He had been a disappointment at West, at West Virginia. Part of it was the team around him. But I wasn't like, oh, wow, because it was obvious he was a big-bodied receiver, and there was optimism about him, you know, about his size. And he made Bruce Feldman's freaks list. So whenever I see Bruce Feldman's freaks list and 
for college fantasy football and for NFL draft fantasy, I look at all the skilled position players. And when I was watching him this year, he never popped for me. But Matthew, looking for a cheap X receiver in this draft, if you're a team, he ran a 4-3-8 at 221-6-4. But more importantly, Matt, he ran a 4-1-5. That shows incredible burst. And he can play on the boundary. I have him now in the top 20. He's my number 18. He might go in the third round, but I think he's a third day wide receiver. I would not be surprised if he goes in the third round. I like him also, Matt. Yeah, John, I have Bryce Ford Wheaton as wide receiver 16 right now. Wow, okay. But I have the next guy we're going to talk about as wide receiver <laughs> 18, and that is Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. John, another guy I feel like we have just been watching for a long time. Uh, and for a long time, he has been the guy in the Iowa State offense here. So we have two wide receivers left, John. I'll let you dig into Xavier Hutchinson, and then I'll finish us up with the guy that I needed to make sure it got in the sleeper episode. You've said a long time, Matt. Xavier Hutchinson is a three-time first-team all-Big 12 wide receiver. And he started at the JUCO level, Matt. He went to a, a school called Blinn College, and he was one of the top JUCO recruits in the nation. He ends up at Iowa State before COVID hits in 2020. He breaks out in 2020. He's 6'2", 203. Matt, in three seasons, he had 254 catches. Let me repeat that. Three seasons, 254 catches. He is much more athletic than I thought, running a 4-5-3 and 6-9-1 in the three-cone drill. He had a 37% aerial dominator rating. Matt, I have him at number 11 on my board. I definitely think he goes off on day two. He definitely is a – I think he's going to excel as a big slot receiver, and you can play him at the Z. I don't think he's quick enough or athletically gifted enough to be an X, but he's a huge slot, big Z receiver. I like him. And who's the last sleeper on our board, Matt? It's got to be Puka Nakua, the wide (laughs) receiver out of BYU. You know, if you're following along with the rookie big board, this is a name you're probably nauseous because you've heard it so much. But I'm sticking to my guns here, John, and I know if some folks are dropping him, he didn't have the best – uh, or I, he didn't test at the combine, if I'm remembering correctly here. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, you know, there's questions around, you know, what that testing numbers will look like. But man, I love Puka Nakua. You know, former four-star recruit started at Washington, was underutilized by a, a coaching staff that underutilized everybody. That's why they were fired. But he transfers to BYU, and he really flashes, struggles a little bit getting on the field consistently with injury. But when he was on the field, John, he was fantastic. He wins off the line of scrimmage with a great first step, the ability to speed up quickly while working along the sideline. Straight line speed, John, but it's complemented by lateral quickness. I love his ability to go ahead and move east to west, and he makes big plays. He has great body control working along the sideline, good vertical ability, goes up and wins with great body positioning. And he's doing it, John. You know, I know you're looking at BYU, but I'm watching. I think, think 
my favorite tape was actually from Arkansas. The, the 2022 Arkansas tape for Puka Nakoa was my favorite game. Uh, but, it you know, great ball tracking. But here's the kicker, John. Here's what, you know, really kind of unlocks that fantasy football upside for me. He was used heavily in the running game as well for BYU. And he was an effective runner, John. Physical willing to lower his shoulder and take on linebackers. They used him in the red zone. He ended up with five rushing touchdowns, which equaled his receiving touchdowns in 2022. And he's got good field vision. He looks very comfortable, very natural running the ball as well. So, you know, the the comparison I keep putting out, and I'm not saying he's one-to-one going to produce in this way, but his play style, his versatility, his athleticism, you know, we're talking about a Debo Samuel type you know, an archetype for Puka Nakua and, you know, whether he has super fantastic athletic testing. And even if he doesn't necessarily, you know, grab top 100 draft capital, that type of archetype is going to be worth investing on with what is appearing to be, you know, maybe a third round pick at the highest. The consensus has just not caught on with Puka and maybe they will post-draft and maybe they won't. And if they don't, that's perfectly fine with me. I'll take him with a hundred of a hundred fourth round picks if I have to. Totally fine with me, but this is the sleeper episode, John, and I needed to make sure that I got in my guy, Puka Nakua. That's 10 players, John, 10 sleepers that didn't make it in the rookie profiles, but that we wanted to talk about here. You're going to want to make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board, and you could see the full rankings here, both the rookie big board, John's rankings. You can compare them, contrast them. We have rookie-only premium articles coming out here, breaking down positional rookie tiers over the next couple weeks. We have the Discord, John, just $3 a month. And, of course, Volume 2 of the Rookie Guide, which will drop the Monday after the NFL Draft to get you ready for your rookie drafts. There is no better resource. Here's the best part. All of it, $3 a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rookiebigboard and get in on the action now. It is draft month. It's time to get in on it. And as always, we appreciate you checking out this episode of The Rookie Big Board.